Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. My name is Blake Lambert Hack, and this season I will be covering deaths and hauntings in the city of Salem, Massachusetts, with a different special guest every week. Tonight, I am joined by a one of the best Chicago drag queens there is. I've I can't even tell you the last, like the first time I saw you perform; it was forever ago. Um, okay. But. <laughs> Thank you. Gives it every time. The one and only Bambi Banks Kool-Aid. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Blake. I'm so excited. You know I love Thank- true crime. So <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I love and I also love doing podcasts. I don't know what it is about. Like I started doing podcasts during um the pandemic. And now anytime anybody asks me to do a podcast, I'm like, hell yeah. I w- I will sit down and talk to you for an hour. They're just so in- intimate, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think you said it perfectly. You're going to ask me to sit down and just talk? Sure. Sold. (laughs) So to start off, how would you describe a ghost? A ghost? Okay. So like, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, like the classic ghost or like, what is my version of like what I think spirits or ghosts are? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, what your version is. Um, honestly, I think that spirits are very uh, real. I just don't think they're as, like, A, vengeful or as powerful as people, like, make them out to be. Like, because, you know, like, with ghost stories, they're like, oh, this, like, uh, this uh, person coming from the extraterrestrial. I don't think that that's, like, a thing. I think that, like, ghosts can do very little in the real world, like, move very little or or make themselves known uh, in very subtle ways, but I do right. think that they're they're like real, and I also don't think they're I don't know ghosts and spirits to me are the same thing, and like that to me is just like uh, energy that was left over in your body when you passed away that like manifests itself into um, certain spaces or aspects of people's lives. You know, I feel like uh, spirits, ghosts, and angels are all kind of like the same thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I agree for sure. I, uh, like, I think because of Hollywood and just media in general, we have a certain idea of what a ghost is, but I I agree with you in the sense that they probably don't have as much say in the real world as we like to give them credit for. So you do believe in ghosts. How much do you know about Salem, Massachusetts? nothing i've never been there i mean besides like you know the salem witch trials right right right. but um sounds fun sounds witchy (laughs) well we're not doing witches tonight we're i'm we're gonna focus on an actual murder case that happened in 1933 so this story may sound familiar to you uh be interested if you tell me what you think of once we get into this but the case is the murder trial of jesse costello i ain't never heard of her who's that (laughs) well 
We're going to take it back to February 1933 when a saleswoman, Nellie Ayer, was making her rounds in the neighborhood selling fudge. She made her way to the Costello's house. And when she knocked on the door, Jesse Costello answered. After a bit of a conversation, Jesse agreed to buy some fudge from Nellie. She went to fetch her purse, but instead of returning to the door with her purse, she came back screaming that her husband, William Costello, was dead on the bathroom floor. So that's where we're going to start. Bitch, okay. (laughs) Okay, before we start, she killed her husband, right? (laughs) Cause that's what that's given. Not you. Not the candy lady came through, and you're like, "Oh my god, my husband's dead." She's a perfect alibi, bitch. I've seen enough of these stories. Okay, exactly. She's, she's a smart one. Anyway, suspect number one for sure. <laughs> right. Ms. Yeah, everything is perfectly fine in the house. I'm gonna buy some fudge. Oh wait, by the way, my husband's dead. Yeah, it's very mm, likely fishy. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit about her husband, William, though everyone called him Bill. He was a firefighter turned captain. He was of Irish Catholic descent and spent a lot of his time at church. He eventually married 21-year-old Jesse Costello, who was your stereotypical flapper. Short skirts, bobbed hair, and very outgoing. In the 30s? Yes. Were flappers? Were flappers yeah. still hot in the 30s or was she like out of date, out of style? I think it was like the decline of flapper era for sure. But she, she was holding on, honey. She could not let go. <laughs> they had four children together, but Jesse was finding her marriage a little too confining as you do Opposites do attract. However, Jesse turned to policeman Edward McCone for comfort. So it didn't take long. I mean, she had four kids, but it didn't take long for her to start cheating on her husband with the policeman. I mean, I kind of live for her like consistency, though. She's like, love a man, (laughs) love a man in uniform, babes. She knows like, what she likes. <laughs> she's really she's really fucking with departments, okay? These men have jobs <laughs> to do. Man, who's being, saved, who's being saved if they're all in your coochie cat? Like, that don't even make sense, child. <laughs> yeah, you know, someone uh, died in a fire because her husband was too busy. Correct. <laughs> so the policeman, Edward, Jesse called him big boy during their affair. So I, we can only assume what she meant by that. And she was known as being quote, ample breasted unquote. So good for her. Big boobs, big dicks everywhere in the thirties. Back in pain. Everyone's back is in pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Edward is described as being not too bright, but I think at the time Jesse was like 30 years old so she was ready for excitement and turned to the first person who gave her any kind of excitement who happened to be Edward. So it wasn't very smart. He was like in his mid twenties, I believed. And he saw a hot flapper girl and was like, let's do this. Yeah. With four kids though. He wild. <laughs> he, I mean, 
he also was married. They, I don't think he had kids, but he also was, the cop was also married. So they were both having an affair, but. Oh, okay. It's a little. Yes. So after the saleswoman, Nellie watched Jesse scream about her husband being dead, she was told to leave by Jesse claiming that she couldn't possibly think of buying sweets at a time like this. And Nellie stated, quote, she screamed something terrible, unquote. The police were called and they did, in fact, find William dead. During his autopsy, they discovered cyanide in his system, causing the coroner to label this as a homicide. As you stated earlier, we pretty much have one suspect. (laughs) Is this the story from... um from chicago (laughs) okay so that's exactly what i thought you were gonna say and uh we'll get into it a little bit later but yes so far it does feel very musical chicago right some guys just can't hold their arsenic you know some can't hold their cyanide jesse is immediately arrested for her husband's death as we both predicted this wasn't going to damper her spirits though she actually found this newspaper coverage as an opportunity. It was one of the first murder trials that captivated the nation. So the trial was in the newspapers every day. Hot topic. People love to talk about murder, even back in the 30s. People from all over New England flocked to Salem to watch the trial and hoping to see the gorgeous Jesse. She had also, she was- a- so she was stunning as well. Yes. <laughs> okay, good for her. So she's a flapper. She got big ass titties, and she's like actually stunning. Okay, it's you giving, ask for more. <laughs> it's giving crime of the century, Evelyn Nesbitt tease. Have you ever? Okay. You know who Evelyn Nesbitt is? Yes. Yeah. 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 Like this is quite literally kind of the same story. I can <laughs> except she's probably not fifteen like Evelyn Nesbitt was. No, she's thirty. But okay. uh, yeah, gorgeous for being 30 and in the 1930s. So I work. She was truly becoming a celebrity overnight. Some newspapers wrote about her beauty. She was called a buxom prima donna. So again, large breasted prima donna, a glamorous siren. And my favorite quote, all the modest sex appeal of Lady Godiva plus clothing but minus horse, unquote. Whoa. Yeah. Minus the horse. (laughs) I think she needs the horse, honey. And plus clothing. So she wasn't naked, but, you know, still getting off. But I I could imagine her without clothes is what he was trying to say. That's exactly it. (laughs) So the 12 male jury, because back then men could only serve on a jury, found Jesse fun-loving and fascinating. One asked if he could send her candy. Four others created a barbershop quartet and serenaded her with songs like Sweet Adeline and My Wild Irish Rose during breaks during the trial. So, like, no one was hiding the fact that they were all fawning over this girl. They're like, even during trial, they're like, we love you. We're not going to convict you. That kind of mentality. Weird. It's getting weird. I kind of like it. Yes. 
the bailiff even sent her roses and like he sent them every day. So it's just like all the men are horny as fuck and they can't stop. Yeah. But like, are they, are these men like sex deprived or is she really just that high? I need to see a picture of this woman. I don't know. (laughs) Here, let me find a photo. I'm going to say they're just sex deprived. Uh, Like, I think she was pretty, but I'm not going to say she was like drop dead gorgeous by any means. I mean, maybe for the time people were like stunned. (laughs) The man was too stunned to speak. Yeah. I just like, can't get over all these men doing the most. Yeah. It's quite dramatic. I kind of live though. (laughs) Women really do. They really can do anything. This is how I feel in drag. I want men to like sing to me in a barbershop quartet. While it's I so do flattering. Drag. Yeah. She is not that sickening. They are going <laughs> up for nothing. I mean, to be to be fair, like from this like very like, you know, blurry 1930s photo, it does look like she has really clear skin and beautiful eye space. Fair. Um, and she probably looks sickening under these clothes, but the clothes are giving frump, honey. I don't know what this is. The the skirt to the knees. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Back in the day, showing your ankles was like sexy. It was scandalous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, okay. I think that's probably what it was. It's like this flapper era. Like she's showing more than she probably should be at trial. So these men are like, holy shit, I can see cleavage. They're like, Mr. Sandman. <laughs> dream. Exactly that. <laughs> so Jesse arrived and left the trial every day in a limo where crowds right. of people cheered her on as she like came in and out. Cunt. She killed her husband and they're like, yes, queen. <laughs> and they all knew she killed her husband. They were still all about it. She received <laughs> around 500 love letters a day during the trial. I don't understand what's going on. I'm sorry. I know I keep interrupting and I'm sure to show your listeners are like, let him tell the story. But what the fuck is going on? That does not make sense to me. No, not at all. And, and, and like you said, Chicago, it does give off Roxy Hart. Right. Roxy was on everybody's lips. You know, it's the same yeah. thing with this with uh, Jesse. But she also told the news that she was headed to her husband's grave so that she could be photographed putting flowers on the grave. So she's stunting every second she has. She knows what she's doing. I'm not going to condone murdering her husband when divorce is a very real option for everyone in the United States, but I don't, and I don't want to support this kind of behavior for the rest of the world. However, she's kind of iconic in everything that she's been doing. And like I said, the name on everybody's lips was Jesse, Jesse Costello. Everyone couldn't get enough. The prosecution called several people to the stand that knew the couple very well. They all testified that on the day of William's death, he was in the best of health. Edward, the uh, police officer, was called to the stand where he revealed every detail about their affair every dirty detail about the affair and the news referred to him so hot i live oh on the stand just giving giving you know sex dreams all the tea all the tea the news referred to him as the kiss and tell cop because he laid it all out every detail 
That's a brand. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Everybody wants some kind of uh, headline like that. Yeah. If you, if you have a fun name like that, you're in. Yeah. Edward claimed that he wanted to end the affair many times, but Jesse always seduced him back. The main testimony was from the man who sold Jesse the cyanide uh, in forms of capsules. And there was a gelatin-like substance in William's stomach during the autopsy. Even Jesse's father testified saying before William's death, the two had an argument about the affair that ended with William striking Jesse. And he claimed Jesse responded with quote, I'll damned well show you that I have brains when I get ready to use them unquote. So all these people are like, she did it. (laughs) Boots. But also you go girl like i don't know (laughs) i just feel like women did not have many options back then so like and like there are so many like stories now of women back in the day like killing their husbands and after being have you ever seen um women who kill oh my god yeah love that show (laughs) like it's giving me very much that vibe where it's like no like i have no other option because men kind of like run the world right now so my only option is to get rid of this man and find another one so go ahead jesse because it's also like you're not just going to be out here hitting women like i know that this this is like normalized in the 1930s or whatever but it's just like okay sir this is not what we're doing you want to hit me bitch i'm gonna hit you where it hurt you're dead no i agree fully and i like mentioned divorce and even though that is a thing he is very catholic that's but that's a no-go he would have never gone for it right exactly so you're right in a situation where there aren't any other options i get it also (laughs) what i'm saying ladies kill him (laughs) just make it less obvious that's all we're saying yeah, maybe not. Maybe something that doesn't show up in, in the autopsy. I don't know. I don't know. Right. How people. I would hope. <laughs> it's not I mean, my forte. If you yeah. want to poison, just make sure the poison goes through the system enough where they're not being caught in the autopsy. So don't go screaming that your husband's dead right after you do it. Like, give it a couple of days. But then the body's going to be rotted and they're going to be like, why did you wait so long? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> go on, like, poison him. Peace out. Go on a vacation. Be like, I came home and he was dead. I don't know. Yeah, that would make more sense. That would be cool. I'm just giving, you know, there was this woman in Europe, and I can't remember for the life of me her name or what country, but she is, she is like the most deaths attributed to her because she, I guess she didn't really poison anybody, but she gave the women in the town poison to poison their husbands. And so, like, hundreds of men died in this town from being poisoned, and police couldn't figure out what it was. But it ended up being this woman being like, hey, if you want to murder your husband, come see me. I got the shit. That is, see, that is so kind. Is yes. this also Was this also in Salem? <laughs> no, no, that was in Europe. I can't remember uh, uh, what country. It was, I was yeah. like, that would explain the witch trials, bitch, because <laughs> what's going on? yeah a bunch of yeah you know what maybe the witches the witches should have been a thing and they should have just done it because then they would have survived but yeah uh, okay back to jesse she 
of course, dismissed every claim made against her. She claimed that William was so tormented by his indigestion that he killed himself and that her relationship with Edward was only spiritual. Now, imagine being like, my husband has such bad IBS, he killed himself. <laughs> like, I mean, to be honest, back in the day, you know, I always have to re- remember that this is like the 1930s. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like people were stupid. So like that's a valid like you know what i'm saying like she was sitting in that prison just thinking just thinking right. for days. <laughs> like Fair. how can i twist this what is what what about my husband could make him want to kill himself oh yeah he has ibs let me um <laughs> like did they even know what ibs was back then no probably not I, it probably wasn't diagnosable you know they were probably just like he was up upset to his stomach all the time yeah but <laughs> You could spin it, honestly. She could be like, he prayed and prayed, and it just didn't. I don't know. No, you're right. You can spin anything. Mm -hmm. She also claimed that the man who sold her the cyanide failed to mention to her that they were dangerous. And that she was simply buying it to clean the boiler. So she's like, yeah, I bought cyanide, but no one told me it was dangerous. I don't know. Interesting. (laughs) So... Over the entire trial, the villain that emerged out of all of this was the kiss and tell cop, Big Daddy, a.k.a. Edward, because he spilled every detailed act that happened between Jesse and him. It was so in-depth that newspapers couldn't print his testimony. Like, that's how graphic it got. So nobody knows what he said, but they know he said everything. New pa- newspapers couldn't print it, but someone took his testimony and published it in a red book, and which sold like crazy. So the newspaper's like, we can't do this, it's too graphic. And someone was like, well, I'm going to publish it and sell it in bookstores and stuff. And Sorry. so you could literally buy his testimony and read it like a romance novel or like whatever you want to, gra- uh, some kind of porn magazine, early porn magazine i guess but (laughs) i'm not sure how long the jury took before they made their decisions Uh, i can't imagine it being very long but jesse was acquitted of any wrongdoing even though most people didn't believe what she said on the stand they were all so enthralled with her that they looked past her negative side aka killing her husband and after the trial edward was fired from the police force and Jesse, do you have a guess of where Jesse went after the trial? With her four kids? Um, yeah. <laughs> Hollywood? Well, she went to Broadway, baby. Oh. <laughs> a Broadway diva. My flapper queen. <laughs> I think, you know, the Broadway move was easier because she's from Salem, Bot- and, you know, outside of Boston. So it's like, let me just hop on a train and head to Broadway with my fame. Right. Plus Hollywood wasn't given to the forties anyway. So there. <laughs> so immediately Jesse was offered $1,100 to appear on a stage for four days. <laughs> she has given $2,400 for the rights of her life story. And 
overall, that's like $3,500. And in today's money, that's $75,000. So she made $75,000 to appear on stage for four days. To do what is anybody's guess? Like a tap number, who knows? But $75,000 to show up. (laughs) And I wonder if that worked for them. I question if the publicity was really like worth it. Like where people like, oh my God, this woman murdered her husband and we're watching her tap (laughs) like in the same room. And now she's doing literally a song and dance. This is so weird it'd be surreal yeah, yeah yeah um at this point i think people were just super excited to see her like in any way shape or form they're just like oh my god this is the girl from the newspapers let's go see her do something <laughs> it does get to that point though where people are like this is weird okay this good. isn't but we're not there yet so <laughs> uh hollywood did offer her money um, but I think she wanted to stay doing more stuff in New York. Uh, famed stage diva. Yes. Can't get away from the stage. A famed burlesque theater offered her $20,000. However, she turned it down because it wasn't high class enough for her. She bought a whole new wardrobe and vacationed with the elite. She gave interviews to the New York Daily Mirror and Ed Sullivan of the New York Daily News. And like you were saying, not long after her fame, her it all dried up. People got weirded out that they were seeing this murderer performing and making tons of money doing it. And the fact that she was still spending lavishly but wasn't booking any more gigs. She turned back to the burlesque clubs, but they were over it. They were like, we don't want to work with you anymore. So she ended up being a host at a Boston pub. So she went from this, like making thousands and thousands of dollars to working at a restaurant. She didn't save none of that money. Did she? No, not even a little bit. (laughs) My bitch is stupid. I am so mad. What (laughs) happened to the kids? I just want to know what happened to the kids. The kids are not involved in the story at all. They're traveling with her the entire time. How old are any of these kids when they killed when their dad died? So she got married at 21 and he died when she was 30. So at at most nine, (laughs) nine and younger. And they were in the house when he died too? Do I think know? so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All four kids. Yeah. Mm-mm. They saw something. Oh, uh, traumatized. Yeah, I'm sure. And that so, is seeing their mom working at the pub with four kids. You know what? No, does she have a man at least? <laughs> no, I think she's very much like this is my life. Fuck men. Which. Yes, I get it. I get yeah. it. But <laughs> the. However, so she's working at the pub. She's not a quitter. Instead of just giving up and being like, okay, I work at a pub now, she turned to the Lord. She turned Here to Jesus. <laughs> the fiercest cult out there, honey. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> eight months. So this is all happening within eight months. Like her fame and then la- like working at the pub, it all happened within eight months. 
after her trial, eight months after her trial, she joined the Los Angeles evangelical Amy Semple McPherson, who was like huge in LA at the time. Amy was like, everyone followed Amy and did what she told them to do. Like you said, cultish, but Jesse joined her and everything was great at first. Tons of people attended to the church to see Jesse belt hymns and shake her hips but it didn't take long for Amy to grow annoyed with her new sidekick, especially because Amy was being upstaged by Jesse. So Amy ejected Jesse from the church like a true Christian. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesse can't catch a break. She can't catch a break or a friend, but her relationships are just, oh. Yeah. Like, girl know. moved cross country with her four children. To be part of this church and then the woman's like man no thanks oh my god of course jesse's money dr- quickly dried up raising four kids by herself she lost her house she bought during her broadway days so she had to apply for the pension she was due as the widow of a war vet so she made she was she received like $65 a month from the government because her now dead husband was a war vet. She kind of disappeared from the headlines for quite some time until a New Hampshire farmer showed up on her doorstep to ask for her hand in marriage, <laughs> which I think it's like ballsy to just be like, Hey, you don't know me. I'm a retired farmer. Do you want to like get married and live with me? Sure. He was a widower and like he saved money away for retirement, but Jesse refused to marry him, still believing that she could climb out of this hole and become famous. Sadly, she did not. And she died at 68 years old in March of 1971. And she died with like very little money. However, 200 people attended her funeral, including the mayor and chief of police. She had 200 people attend her funeral, which is... That's good. That means a lot of people liked her. Yeah. Right? At least wanted to see her. Yeah. I hope her kids are okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know where they ended up, but I'm sure they went through... Or at least I hope they went through some therapy. But <laughs> yeah, because there was a lot going on there, Jesse. Like it went very um, from Chicago to um, what's that fucking other movie with uh, June Herbie and Gypsy Rosalie? That's what it is, Gypsy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much so. It gave very Mama June. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, everything lines up with the musical Chicago until she turns to the church. And then it's like, okay, it's just downhill from there. Yeah. I mean, if Chicago had a part two, I'm sure they would have reached the church at some point, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> so, like, okay, so like we were saying, this does sound like it could be a direct source material for the musical Chicago. Mm -hmm. However, the actual source material for Chicago was a play written in the twenties by Maureen Dallas, 
Watkins, who was oh assigned. My God. That's my last name. That's so fun. Hey, <laughs> she was assigned to cover the 1924 trials of murderesses Beulah Annan and Belva Gardner of Chicago. So they killed their husbands in Chicago, and that's what the musical is based off of. Um, but to that point that you were saying earlier, it was kind of just a thing you did back then. Right. And I'm questioning because like all of these stories obviously center white women because, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, but I'm questioning if black women were also killing their husbands back then. Like, that's I don't a good know. Question. Yeah. Left to die. That's crazy. Bring back women killing their husbands. Come on. <laughs> Come on, ladies. You could do it. So we're going to take a quick break before we get into a discussion about the paranormal. Kill your husband, I guess, is the lesson here. Just yeah. do it in a smarter way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know any, like, <laughs> straight women. I don't know. Well, that's a lie. I know a lot of straight women. What am I saying? But I don't know any that are like married that like necessarily need to kill their husbands. Right, right, right. right. No bad uh, relationship. Yeah. Stuff going on. Yeah. Fair. Don't kill your husbands, ladies. <laughs> but definitely ha- have a plan just in if case it, it goes left. You know? Right. If it does happen, make sure you have a great lawyer lined up beforehand. Yeah. And some big old titties, apparently. Cause all it takes. <laughs> You'll get away with murder. Right. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. I couldn't find the exact address where the Costellos lived and where William was poisoned and died. I bet there's some kind of paranormal stuff happening there, but nothing even like lists where it could have been. So that probably means the house is torn down from forever ago and that something was, some I don't know, probably like a target was built on top. Who knows? But uh, the next <laughs> the next best option was the courthouse where Jesse was found not guilty. And I've said it before, but I truly believe that the majority of hauntings or ghosts that we see or attribute to people exist because of the lack of justice they receive for their death. Hmm. And so William's murderous was never convicted and in fact made thousands of dollars off his murder so maybe he felt i don't know like after her 15 minutes of fame were up maybe he was like no that's not enough for (laughs) for me to not haunt this place that's what i'm trying to say that's so interesting because it's also like what about forgiveness? <laughs> like, what? like, how do you get a ghost to forgive? You know? <laughs> no, we don't know. <laughs> no forgiveness. Damn. Well, girl, they probably both haunt in that place at this point. She's pissed. I'm sure she's pissed too. She's like, I 
had it. I had the talent. I had it, what it took, and I didn't get there. She's mad. So, that being said, the mayor of Salem, Kim Driscoll, tweeted a photo four years ago of a face in a lamp post outside the courthouse. And of course, I'll post this on social media, but I'm going to send it to you right now. It is a wild photo <laughs> that she like literally tweeted and it went viral. But it um, is one of those photos that some people are like, obviously, this is ridiculous. And other people are like, whoa, that could be something. So that's why it gained a lot of like attention. But Oh, weird. Yeah. What is that? What are your initial thoughts of the photo? What is that? What's in there? Right? It looks like a face. Yeah. Could it just be a coincidence? Because it's like there is something in there that is like shaping the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say if I go today, could I also take a picture that looks exactly like this? Or was this just a one-time instance? See, okay, that's what I wanted to talk about. So there's a phenomena called pareidolia, which is our mind creating a recognizable image or shape out of a random mix of lines and shapes. So does that make sense? Yeah. So for example, it's like seeing a coffin. Like if you're looking at a satellite image and you see the shape of a coffin on the moon. It's like, obviously, there's not a coffin on the moon. It's just a random coincidence. And then our brains are like, oh, I know that shape. That's a coffin. Yeah. The face isn't actually there, but our brains want to see something. So it tells us we're seeing a face. And it happens a lot in photography. And a great way to see if it is pareidolia or paranormal is if you take multiple photos back to back of that same thing. So if the photo is exactly the same every time it's pareidolia. So to your point, if you go back to that spot and take a picture of the lamp and looks the same, it's just our minds playing tricks. However, if it changes from photo to photo, it could potentially be paranormal. Okay. A little life hack, if you will, but This got me thinking about the history of ghosts in photography. And I'm sure a decent amount of people have seen what they think is a ghost in a photo. They either seen online or photos they've taken themselves or in a photo album. And I think for a lot of people seeing is believing. So if if I'm not going to believe in a ghost unless I see one, I don't think that way, but I think a lot of people do because it hasn't been around forever, why can we see spirits in photos? I think is the question. Hmm. Um, I think it's the amount of light exposure (laughs) because like I said, I believe that like um, spirits and things like that are just like leftover energy and things like that. And uh, I feel like that energy is um, seen through other sources of energy if that makes sense yeah like like because like photography takes such a like bright light to like you know expose the photo and things like that um i believe that spirits can live through like light and yeah yeah and travel that's fair 
the speed of light and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk a little bit about the history of ghosts in photography. So photography has been traced all the way back to ancient China and Greece, where they had a dark room with a small hole that an image is projected across the room from. However, spirit photography has been traced back to the 19th century around like 1860, where photographers were experimenting with new effects like double exposure, like you were saying, different, like playing with the light in photos. So double exposure is like repeated exposure of light to film. So you keep it in a dark room, you expose it to light, you put it back in the dark room, expose it to light again, that type of thing. The first person to capture a, quote, spirit photograph was William Mumler. And it was an image of his dead cousin visiting him in the photo. And when he posted it, it was wildly popular, which, of course, proved to be lucrative. He made tons of money off of this photo. And suddenly, William had taken several images with different family members visiting beyond the grave. Most of his relatives in the photos died during the Civil War, which was in full swing at this time. So no one could figure out how these photos were being made. Because no one could figure out how these spirit photographs were taken, he was like, I am being visited by ghosts. I can help you be visited by ghosts, and then I will take photos of your relatives in so you can experience that he created a job out of it essentially yeah he ended up getting go ahead sorry that's just like he really scamming and they like <laughs> like i don't know i feel like i would be like okay the one relative yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but like i guess like if we really can't explain ghost cameras like but then like how you get my people to cut like yeah, it feels like you're just calling them at this point like were there no pictures where it was like oh like nobody's here <laughs> sorry thank you for the money though <laughs> <laughs> you're right he would have to produce whether they're there or not you're right or like i'd feel just like i'm paying you to get a photo of my dead relative and you're not producing so why would i pay you yeah. So he, yeah, he would have to every time. <laughs> he was commissioned to do these for people visiting their dead relatives. Probably the most famous photo of his is of Abe Lincoln standing behind his widowed wife, Mary Todd. Because of that photo, critics became extremely suspicious. One such critic was P.T. Barnum of Barnum and Bailey Circus. And Barnum became frustrated that Mumler was using family's grief to make money, kind of like you were saying. And eventually, William Mumler was arrested for fraud, where Barnum testified against him, proving a photo of Barnum standing with Lincoln's ghost. So he, like, Barnum was, P.T. Barnum was in the trial being like, hey, I just had this photo taken. And it's of, like, Abraham Lincoln standing behind P.T. Barnum. And he's like, see, it's false. It's like everything he's done is a lie. So how um, he, wait, so how did he do? The, so how did he get Abe Lincoln behind him? I'm so confused. So I think it's a it was a way of um, taking two separate 
photos and overlaying them and then exposing them to light and like that kind of way. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know too much about photography. So when they were explaining it, I wasn't incredibly clear about it, but that was my gist of it. Okay. William, however, dodged any fines or jail time, but the damage was done. His ghost photography business was a bust. This case created the job of spirit image investigating. So because he was so successful at it, other people were like, well, I'm going to prove people wrong. I'm going to prove that spirit imagery is not real. So one of the more successful investigators of these images was medium and priest, William Stanton Moses. By 1875, medium William expand or examined over 600 photos and his opinion was that no more than a dozen were supernatural how did he know the difference i think he was just like i'm a priest and i'm a medium i know what i'm talking about so people would just like took a man's word <laughs> uh, I yeah, should start. Yeah. i should start lying to people <laughs> that it, yeah find your niche lie and right all i have to do is be like i'm an expert yeah exactly <laughs> and who's gonna tell you otherwise right make that money make that coin yeah he examined over 600 photos which is insane uh he's also quoted saying people out there who would recognize a sheet and a broom as their deer departed so he was really like you guys are all crazy. Yeah. This is not real. Did- that's, so, that's so gaggy. He really read them. <laughs> yeah, despite the evidence that most photos were not paranormal, spirit photography boomed. World War I didn't help because while millions of people mourned the deaths of loved ones, they of course wanted to see them one last time. So... Even though like spirit photography was defunct, everyone was like, no, I still want a chance to see my relatives that died in war. Damn. Yeah. That's kind of sad. It's very sad. <laughs> it's like, no, let's just mourn and move on. The These photos continue to this day, and so does the skepticism. I personally believe you can take photos of ghosts, just as much as you can see them in real life. But I do agree that the majority of photos, just like the majority of sightings are either fake or an example of pareidolia. Kind of like you were saying, it's a, it's a light effect, but that doesn't mean the ghost isn't part of that light. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, like even that would be pushing it for me. Like, <laughs> like go, I really just feel like ghosts cannot truly affect this world in a big way. Maybe like in like a butterfly effect way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like say a, a ghost, like, you know, pushes the towel on my door, which uh, affects me to look this way, which changes the whole course of my life. Maybe that 
is how ghosts affect this world but i don't believe that ghosts can like you know knock over a whole glass of water or some shit like that so for them to show up in a photo it's like they're really pushing their ghosty powers like they're about to they're about to be in their second death because they're doing too much you know what i mean i agree that i don't think that ghosts can like they're not actively trying to disrupt our lives I think they are just living and we just happen to coincide sometimes, whether it be in a photo or they're doing something in their world while I'm doing something in my world and we just happen to do it at the same time. So something strange happens. Um, But I agree. I don't think ghosts are going around like stabbing people or shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ghosts just really aren't. And I don't even know how like ghosts are ever were scary now that i think about it yeah i don't find ghosts scary oh no <laughs> i think that's like the the hollywood or uh, the uh media in general difference between like a demon and what we think of a demon is versus a ghost like when you go see movies and stuff, it's like a demon is possessing somebody's body and a demon is attacking. But then like ghosts are just kind of there living in the house. Yeah, it's just like uh, I know we're like talking about ghosts today, but like to talk about like the classic Hollywood monsters out here, all of them kind of have limitations. Like I'm not that fucking scared. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> vampires literally can't like be in the sun i'm getting a sun lamp like that's all it takes <laughs> mummies what is that that's paper and bones um, cindy those are bones cindy those are bones like <laughs> i don't even think frankenstein is smart enough to do anything for real he, he can't walk faster than like a two mile like a what was everybody so damn scared of i really want to know <laughs> No, you're absolutely correct. They uh, they all have limitations. So why? Yeah, you're smarter. You can outrun maybe, them. Maybe a werewolf is fucking scary because they don't really have like anything. Their only thing is like I don't honestly. I could be getting things mixed up with my uh, monster lure, but aren't like werewolves can't handle garlic or like silver or something like that? I thought that was vampires. See, that's a, like I think they're similar, but. Or Silver Bullet, I think, is werewolves. I don't know. Silver Bullet. Yeah. But damn. That's... I bet that was like a pro-gun thing that people were trying to push. (laughs) You know what? You're absolutely right. (laughs) Absolutely. Same with vampires. It's like, oh, so crosses can kill them. That's pushing religion. Yeah. Gotta push something. And all ghost hat was Ghostbusters. Isn't that goofy? <laughs> Acting stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know people who have seen photos that swear, they like swear up and down ghosts were in these photos. And so I like, I have no reason to like discredit them, but to face like for the, for a face to be in a lamp post posted by the Salem mayor outside of the courthouse it's a little far-fetched for me um maybe it is william costello watching over the murder trials it's more likely the trick of a mind either way it's a fun image and i love seeing photos like that but also 
I mean, that could be anybody. <laughs> a lot Yo, of people, absolutely. A lot of people were wronged in that court. But oh, also, yes. <laughs> like, was the mayor claiming it was William Costello or did somebody see the picture? Like, did the mayor just randomly post the picture and people were like, is that William Costello in the lamppost? The mayor, I think, would just post it and was like, whoa this is interesting or do you see what I see? And then other people were like, that could be, you know, this guy. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, have you ever experienced anything paranormal? I'm not gonna say ghosts, but anything just like that you couldn't explain. I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think I got, maybe it's not exactly what you were referring to. What's it, what's it called? Perioid or, or poly- what did you Paradolia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah pareidolia um i don't think i experienced pareidolia but i think the most like paranormal thing i could i have experienced was like when my grandma died i like saw her everywhere like every old woman that slightly looked like her looked exactly like her it was very scary um but that's the only like paranormal thing i i think and the only reason i say that is because like i I, like when i would see these people i would feel her energy as well yeah yeah so that was like the closest thing i've ever like felt like oh this could be paranormal but no i'm I'm a pretty boring bitch like these guys are not (laughs) trying to find me child i can't do nothing for them and i've never wronged anybody so that's what it is (laughs) there's nobody that's looking to get justice from yeah, you. I mean, at so. least they're not they're not dead yet. So <laughs> that's when it we'll we'll bring this conversation back when your uh, haters are dead, yeah, and then when we'll talk. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, no. What about you? I have experienced stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very like I've seen a ghost, oh, and that's kind of like. I've always believed, but that kind of solidified things for me. It was like, oh, yeah, this is what I thought it was going to be. And it's exactly what you think it is. When you saw the ghost, where did you see the ghost? It was at a restaurant I was working at in Gold Coast, like a really old building, super old restaurant that's been there since the 40s. Um, And it was in the basement where I was getting ready for work one morning. And I was the only person there. And it was like a kid. Like he looked like a newsboy. He had like the cap and everything. And he want he was like playing hide and seek with me. It was weird. That's very scary. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't I didn't fuck- feel scared. I got like goosebumps, but I didn't feel scared. I was just kind of like, oh, this is happening. Like I'd much rather it be um adult. I don't do kids. <laughs> I say this all the time in the podcast, but the scariest thing in the world is hearing giggling children coming from and like who knows where like if you can't see the kids laughing that is the scariest thing imagine imagine (laughs) and obviously you can't because you're blake but like imagine (laughs) imagine being a a black person and a white child just comes out of nowhere looking like a damn page (laughs) boy where are your parents Uh uh-uh we're not doing this i'm not going to jail today what's going on uh uh-uh, I'd freak out. I'd need an adult. I'd be like, come on, y'all gonna have to give me somebody like like at least at least 25 and up. Cause even like 22 
uh-uh <laughs> I'm sorry that just made me so nervous like you really saw this child or you were like oh, okay work but I bet that's like I bet that's a part of the experience too is like that like calming like those worlds coming together probably like creates another space like you know Could be. yeah you're just that's why ghosts haven't visited you because they know they'll get their ass whoops that's they're just <laughs> I, I don't get your ass whooped I probably run but like I don't know I don't know how I would respond to seeing a ghost it would have to like be in like a very specific situation for me not to be like okay I gotta go yeah um, <laughs> I look okay so that instance it was one of those where like I saw it out of the corner of my eye I looked they hid I turned back and they peeped out again I looked again they hid and I after the second time I was like the first time I was like, it's just a trick of my eye. The second time it happened, I was like, this is really happening. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to walk away for five minutes. I'll come back. And when I came back there, I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. So I did take my moment. I was like, okay. I need to excuse myself for a minute and yeah. I'll come back. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's overwhelming. Yeah. That's so frightening. Oh my God. Especially when you know you're the only person there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like really early. It was like pouring rain outside. So it was thundering and stuff. Yeah, it was a lot to handle. But yeah, Bambi, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Of course. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. I love a good old murder mystery with a little ghost story, honey. I live for Yeah, this. especially like a Black Widow type. Uh, yeah, a little, little femme fatale, like 1930s <laughs> vibe. I live for it. I love, love it. a final girl. <laughs> right. Y'all can follow Haunted Hometowns on social media for photos related to each episode, guest info, and upcoming news. Please subscribe to the podcast and all your favorite podcasts. It really helps your faves grow in popularity. Rate and share as well. And if you have a paranormal experience you'd like to you'd like me to read on the podcast, email me at hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. Could be anything from a page turning on its own while you read a book, or the audiobook you're enjoying in the car has whispers of your name. You know, let me know, whatever it be. And Bambi Banks Kool-Aid, where can they find you and what you're up to? You can find me uh, at Bambi Banks Kool-Aid on Venmo Cash App, PayPal, and Instagram. And you can also find me on Twitter at It's Bambi Banks um, for my chaotic thoughts. <laughs> um, and you can hey. also... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. You can also find me if you're in Chicago um, at Hydrate on every Friday. Um, Roscoe's every first Thursday and Berlin every last Thursday. So, yeah, come out, see your girl, have fun. We can talk about ghosts and um, <laughs> murders. Uh, like I said, I love true crime and, you know, I'm a fun time, period. Booked and busy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, join me next week for another hard hitting murder and paranormal sighting because everyone loves a ghost story. Oh. The theme song is by Tyre. Follow him on Instagram at 4 Boys Like Me. That's F O R Boys Like Me. 
The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. I got my information from New England Historical Society, strangeco.blog, Wicked Salem by Sam Baltrusis, and a BBC article by Howard Timberlake.